ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನಗ್ರಸಿ ಪುರಾಣ ಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾದಶಾಧ್ಯಾಯಿ ಅಂಬತ್ವಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರುತ ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿ ಯಂ ಸಾಮಗಾ ಧ್ಯಾನವಸ್ಥಿತಗತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿನ ಯಸ್ಯಾಂತನ್ನುರಾಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ we saw in the discussion so far that lord has emphasized in so many verses the need for indriya samaha a control or a mastery over one's mind and even before that a mastery over one's sense organs because the sense organs are not under control they are not disciplined then the mind also becomes indisciplined and ultimately that mind jobs away one from the very wisdom that one is acquired therefore tasmad yasya mahabaho nigrihitani sarvashah indriyani indriyasebhya tasya prajna pratishtita so one of the natural traits or characteristics of a wise man is that he has withdrawn all his sense organs from the sense objects meaning he has a mastery over the sense organs that it will he can withdraw his sense organs from their preoccupation or their activities in the sense objects like a tortoise can withdraw his limbs at will this is effortless for us to the prajna for a wise man reason is very simple why would the mind want to wander into the sense objects why would the sense organs also want to indulge in the sense pleasures why seeking happiness but one who has discovered happiness from within oneself atmaneva atmanatushtah when that very fountain of happiness has been discovered as a very self then where is the need for the mind to run away some place seeking happiness or where is the need for the sense organs to be restless or agitated so naturally it is the discovery of the self which is the nature of happiness that has made the mind completely abiding however even to gain that knowledge we require an abiding mind for a moksha meaning for a seeker of knowledge this becomes a value a disciplined life <coughs> an introvert life life wherein reality is not given to the sensuous pleasures or the pleasures from the sense or objects because we continue to give reality there is no way that we will ever discover the happiness of the self as long as the mind looks outwardly seeking pleasure and security so long how is it going to discover it Uh, as as uh, within within itself <coughs> so that becomes a value and then ultimately it becomes something that is effortless or natural <coughs> and 
And this is what is said in the next verse also, that how for a sthita for a man of abiding wisdom, this vision and these, the mastery of the mind, mastery of the sense organs, how it is natural. And what is the nature of vision? How the vision of a wise man is completely contradictory to the vision of an ignorant person. And how the difference in vision brings about a complete difference even in their lifestyles. That is being said in a very famous verse, 69. Yanisha sarvabhutanam tasyam jagarti sanyami yasyam jagarti bhutani sanisha pashyato munehe. Says here Lord Krishna, yanisha sarvabhutanam. Sarvabhutanam meaning ajnanam. For the ignorant people, yanisha, that which is night, that which is like night, nisha, even nisha. So, why is the word Nisha or the night used here? So, Nisha is Ratrahi. Nisha means night. Sarva Padarthanam Avivekakari. So, night means darkness. And Sarva Padarthanam Avivekakari. That which obliterates the distinction between different objects is called night. So, night meaning darkness. So, darkness is that which obliterates the distinctions between different objects. You do not, cannot distinguish one thing from the other. So that which obliterates or preve- prevents us from distinguishing or discriminative is co- discriminating is called darkness or night. <coughs> so in that sense, that which is a night for all the ignorant people. Whether ignorant people are not able to distinguish or discriminate between the real and the unreal. The night also deprives us or prevents us from seeing something which is there. And so also ignorance is also compared to a night or darkness because it also prevents us from seeing something which is there. So very often ignorance is compared to darkness or night and knowledge is compared to light or day. (coughs) So here it is said that which is like the night for ignorant people. What is it? Paramasa Tattvam. So the truth, so truth in fact, so aprakasa, aprakasa rupatvat, so Brahma Vidya Lakshanayam Sarabhuta Nishayam, that Brahma Vidya or the knowledge of Brahman, knowledge of the self, to which all the ignorant people are sleeping. So all the ignorant people are sleeping towards the self and awake towards the non-self. And the wise man is awake towards the self and they were sleeping towards the non-self. This is the whole idea here. So otherwise they appear to, appears to be the same. I mean there is no distinction apparently between a wise and otherwise person. They perceive the same well, both of them. However, even though outwardly through the organs of perception, the same world is perceived. So what does a wise man perceive? All he perceives is the self. He is awake to the self, which is the truth of everything and is awake to the truth and therefore he is sleeping to what? To what we call the untruth or the falsehood. So this duality between you and I, the duality between one and the other, which is what we call at the level of perception, that duality when it is given reality then we can say that the ignorant person is awake to the duality, meaning he gives reality to the duality. 
meaning that he thinks that this duality is the ultimate reality, that I am I and you are you. I am different, you are different. I am a perceiver, a knower, a subject. You are the perceived, the known, the object. The subject-object duality is something that is taken to be real by an ignorant person and therefore the non-dual which is the truth of the duality, to that truth he remains sleeping, meaning he is blind to the truth. Whereas the wise man, in spite of perceiving the duality, is very much aware of the non-dual and therefore knows that everything is nothing but the self. So he sees only self, himself everywhere. He sees the whole creation nothing but a reflection of himself. Therefore he doesn't have any, any separation at all or any division anywhere. He is awake to the truth. And therefore now he is no more awake to that falsehood. So giving reality to reality is, in a, is, is false perception. I mean false perception of the mind. There is one perception by the eyes and there is one perception by the mind. Eyes will perceive the duality. What does the mind perceive? Mind of a wise man perceives the non-dual. Like our looking at a reflection in the mirror. The eyes tell us that there is someone there in that mirror. But what does the mind see? Mind sees that as a reflection of one's own self. So even though there is perception of duality, there is a vision of non-duality. So there is one perception and there is one vision. So, for the ignorant people, what is perception is a vision also. So they perceive the duality and they give reality also to the duality. Whereas for the wise man, there is perception of duality, but the vision of the non-dual. This is the difference. And therefore, the ignorant is awake to the duality, but the wise is awake to the non-dual. <coughs> That's why he said, Yanisha Saravhutana. So that which is the darkness or the night for all the ignorant people. And the illustration is given here. The illustration of Kata and Uluka. Kata means a crow and Uluka means an owl. <coughs> so it is our experience also that that which is day for the crow is a night for the owl and that which is night for the crow is a day for the owl because owl, owl cannot see anything during the day for the whole world it is day says yathanattancharanam ahare vasad anyesham nishabhavati so that which is day for everyone else for that day for an owl becomes night it's so it is said because owls, owl's eyes being people being what they are. They get so overwhelmed by the night and by the light that an owl cannot see anything during the day. So that which for the seeing people is day is actually a night for the owl. Even though sun is shining and blazing for the owl, it is only darkness because he cannot see that. Whereas at night, owl can see, whereas the crow and other birds cannot see. So that which is night for the owl is day for the crow. And that which is day for the owl is night for the crow. So how this, how one thing alone, even we feel that, how can it be? That that which is the nature of light, how can it be night for someone? When the sun is shining, how can it be night for someone? Even sun is shining and shining and still 
it is night for the owl. And so also the truth is shining. It is self-effulgent and that alone is shining as a self, as I and you and is everything. For the one who sees the truth, that alone is. But then, for the one who is ignorant of the truth, for that one, even though the truth is self-shining, he is not perceived by the ignorant person. Yathana naktancharanam aharevasat anyesham nishabhodi tadvat naktancharasthaniyanam adnyaninam sarabhutanam nishayava nisha paramasaratva agocharatva And so since the ignorant people do not perceive that paramasaratvam, perceive the ultimate truth, Therefore, that very ultimate truth, which is self-shining, becomes night, meaning that blind to the truth. And to that truth to which all the ignorant people are blind, tasyam paramasa tattvalakshanayam agnyana nidrayaha prabuddha jagarti. And the wise man who is prabuddha, who is awake, who is awake from the night of ignorance. So as I said, ignorance is compared to night. So, anadi maya suptaha. He said in another text that an ignorant person is suptaha. He is sleeping anadi maya in the maya which is beginningless. So, this ignorance is beginningless and ignorant person is sleeping in this night of ignorance. And he is woken up. Anadi maya suptaha yada jiva prabuddhade. When this jiva, the individual is woken up from this beginningless, beginningless sleep of ignorance, Ajamanidramasvapnam advaitam buddhyate tada. Then he comes to know that with ajam unborn, anidram free from nidra, asvapnam free from waking, dream, deep sleep, free from birth and death, that advaitam or the non dual truth, one sees when one is woken up by the teacher from the beginningless sleep of ignorance. So this person who is woken up from the sleep, so it's called prabuddha. Prabuddha means one who is woken up. Or Prabhupada means one who is enlightened. So one who is woken up from the sleep of ignorance, Jagarti, he is awaked to this day of the nature of the, uh, the Paramahasatattva, the ultimate reality. Sanyami, the wise man is described here as Sanyami, the one who is self-controlled. Jitendriya, yogi, so one who, is, who has a mastery over his sense organs in the mind, a person who is totally master of himself is called a yogi. So automatically a wise man is a yogi. Because as we said, it is ignorance that really creates a disturbance in the mind. Ignorance alone is the products of ignorance like likes and dislikes, like pride and ignorance, all of these in fact create agitations in the mind. When ignorance goes away, the agitations also go away. And the mind naturally abides. Sense organs also naturally become abiding. And therefore a wise man is automatically also a yogi. <coughs> so this wise man or yogi is awake to that Paramahasatattvam, that ultimate reality to which the ignorant people are asleep. <coughs> However, what we call ignorant people, they are awake to something to which the wise man is sleeping. Yasyam Jagrati Bhutani that in which this being, the ignorant people are all awake. And which is that? Grahya grahaka bheva lakshanayam avidyanidrayam prasuptani abhutani jagrati divuchare. Even though the ignorant persons are sleeping, still they are said to be awake. Is it possible that someone is sleeping and still awake? 
We find the fellow is sleeping and still he is awake. Can one be simultaneously sleeping and still awake? Yes. He can be sleeping to this world, but awake to his private world of dream. That's why we say it is. It is said here that this man who is sleeping, the ignorant person who is sleeping to the reality, is awake to a, false, a world of false perception comparable to dream. And therefore, this whole projection of duality, Grahya Grahaka Bhedrakshanayam Avidyanidrayam, that that false perception of the nature of Grahya and Grahaka, the perceiver and the perceived, subject and the object, this whole world of duality, which in fact is a projected, projected creation, to which the ignorant person is awake. So it is like a person who is sleeping to the world, but then awake to his dream world. And so also the ignorant person is sleeping to the ultimate reality, but very much awake to a false perception of duality. <coughs> so that world of duality to which the ignorant person is awake, many one who gives reality to this duality. And therefore, his, all his actions are all motivated by the perception of the duality. He takes himself as the subject, takes everything else as the object, takes himself as a limited being, and therefore constantly strives to become free from limitations, and thus keeps performing actions. And therefore, actions are invariably originated from ignorance. The point that is made here is that, when a person is awake to the truth, which is the non-dual, then no actions can proceed from a wise person, really. No deliberate actions can proceed. Or no actions of the nature of the need for accomplishment, such actions cannot proceed from that person. So actions really have their origination in ignorance. Because it is ignorance that creates the sense of duality between the subject and the object. Ignorance that brings about the identification with this body-mind-intellect complex. Ignorance that creates the idea of aham, the sense of individuality, and therefore a sense of limitation. And which creates a desire to become free from various limitations that one experiences. Different kinds of limitations in time, limitations in place, limitations in ability, limitations uh, by way of not being able to become free from sadness, etc. So all these limitations that one feels, there is naturally a desire to become free from the limitations. And from, to fulfill that desire, various actions proceed. Thus if we trace the cause of action, action is caused by desire. Desire is caused by a sense of limitation or bondage. And that sense of limitation or bondage is caused by the ignorance, identification with the upadi, which again caused by ignorance. And therefore, it is really ignorant person who alone will perform action and actions are all enjoined for such a person alone. And so Shankarajara says, just as when the sun arises and how the darkness is completely eliminated, so also when one wakes up from the sleep of ignorance and the darkness is gone, at that time there is no ignorance, there is no sense of duality or sense of individuality. Even though a wise man may appear to function as an individual, that individuality is falsified, it's called Bhazida Anvruttihi. Meaning, like an actor who is acting as a beggar all right, but that beggarliness the actor shows is in fact a false beggarliness, is an assumed beggarliness. And similarly also, so just as an actor assumes different roles and, and, and acts accordingly, and so say wise men may assume different roles and act, 
but he is only an assumed role and not a real role. So the difference between the wise and ignorant is, ignorant person takes himself as a role. And therefore, even though the beggarliness belongs to the costume, the ignorant one will think that I am a beggar. And the wise man knows that the beggarliness belongs to the costumes. And that is the main difference. <coughs> and thus, as long as one takes that sense of limitation as real, so long one cannot but act because one cannot accept that sense of limitation and therefore prompted by a, a strong desire to become free from the limitation, one will perform action. And for such person alone the actions are enjoined. And how about the wise man who is free from this ignorance? For him is what we call sannyasa or renunciation, meaning there cannot be any obligatory duties at all for the wise man. The duties are only for an ignorant person. There are no duties or obligations for a wise person because the obligations are when there is a difference, when there is a duality of one who is obliged and that is obliging, but when that duality is vanished in the wake of knowledge, there is no sense of obligation. Therefore, there are no enjoined or obligatory duties for the wise man. Therefore, he is a sannyasi or a renunciate in the primary sense. Jnanishthayamiva <coughs> tasya adhikaraha This wise man is qualified or is fit only for Jnanishtha, meaning abidance in the knowledge. And there is no obligation on his part to perform any actions. And this is how the renunciation is sanctioned by the scriptures in India. That when one has this knowledge, one becomes a renunciate because there is no need to perform any obligatory duties. And even one who wants to pursue, who is pursuing, wants to pursue this knowledge also is allowed to become a renunciate. So there are two kinds of renunciates. One is a renunciate in the primary sense. It's called Vidvat Sanyasi, who has the wisdom and therefore one who is free from the sense of doership. And therefore, that's the renunciation in the primary sense. Another is a renunciate in the secondary sense. One who is seeking this knowledge or seeking to gain an abidance in this knowledge. He also renounces the duties so that he can pay a total attention to the pursuit of knowledge. He is called a vividisha sannyasi, meaning a renunciate for the sake of pursuit of knowledge. Okay, so thus, yasyam jagrati bhutani sanisha pasyato munehe. That is the reason why even the first verse of Dakshinamurti says a similar thing. Vishwam darpana dushyamanagari tulyam nijantaragatam pasyannatmani maya bahirivod bhutam yathanidraya says that Shankaracharya, just as a man in Nidra or in the sleep sees a whole world. So one sees a whole dream world which is a projected world. And where is the dream world? The dream world is within oneself. The dream world is not really outside of myself. For the simple reason that when I wake up, that whole world also resolves along with me. If the dream world that I perceive is where outside of me, then I may wake up and the world may remain. However, that is not the case. When I wake up, the whole dream world also resolves in me. That shows that even when I am perceiving the dream, that whole world is within me. But in the dream, how do I perceive that world? As though it is without me. In the dream, I experience that duality of the, the seeker and the sought, or the known and the known, or the subject and the object. As long as I am in the dream, I think that that duality is real. It's only when I wake up. Yes, Sakshat Kurudev Prabhu Dasamaya Swatmanamevadvayam. 
When one wakes up from the dream, then one realizes that the whole world really, was, the whole dream world was not apart from me. I alone was. And thus that all the duality in the dream was in fact nothing but it sprang from the non-dual I. This is what one realizes when one wakes up from the dream. And similarly also, what we call the waking world also. Is Darapana Dushyamanagari Tulyam is like a city seen in the mirror. Where it is not, a mirror doesn't have anything at all and still it looks like there is a city there. So something appears where it is in fact not. And similarly also there appears this whole creation which doesn't have a reality, like the dream, and which is within the self. But then I think that the world is outside me because on account of identification with this embodiment or body, I think that I am confined merely to this body and everything outside the body is outside myself. In fact, the I is, is free from any limitation and therefore the whole universe is in I. But I think that the world is outside of I. So it is this ignorance alone that causes the duality between grahya and grahaka, between the object and the subject. And as long as this duality is real, so long one will perform actions. Because the sense of isolation or limitation also is real and that cannot be accepted. And therefore one has to strive to become free from that. And therefore the actions will naturally proceed from the ignorant person. <coughs> when one wakes up from this and realizes that all this dual world is in fact nothing but I and within I. And that is how he is called an enlightened person or one who is awakened from the sleep. Therefore it is said, Tasyam Jagrati Bhutani Sanisha Pashyato Munehe This Pashyato Munehe, this Muni meaning, this contemplative one, this wise person, Pashyataha, who is seeing, who sees the ultimate, the truth, he is, he is uh, sleeping to this false creation of duality and is awake to the non-dual, whereas the ignorant people are sleeping to the, the reality and awake to the false world of duality. <coughs> so this one shows what is natural for, for a wise man is, is something to be achieved for a seeker of knowledge. Okay, and then next one says here Vidushaha Taktaishanasya Sada Pragnasayatahev Moksha Prabhi Natvasanyasinaha Kamakaminaha Who is the one who is qualified for moksha or the liberation? Taktaishanasya One who has become free from all the Aishanas meaning one who is free from all the cravings and three kinds of cravings are recognized in the Upanishad Vittaishana, Puttaishana, Lokaishana. A desire for wealth, a desire for progeny and desire for the other world. In context of the culture at that time. But person has desire for security and wealth, person has desire for name and fame, person has desire for pleasures at the level of senses, person has desire. So these are the various desires that one has. Tyaktaishanasya, only for the one who has become free from these desires, various desires, and therefore, sthita pragnasya vidushaha. And therefore, the wise man who, on account of his total freedom from all kinds of desires, enjoys an abiding knowledge. Yatehe, one who is a yati, for such a one, tasyeva moksha praptihi, 
the moksha, the liberation is only for such a person. So another important point that Lord, point Lord Krishna wants to make here, what is another important characteristic of a wise man? That he is tactitional, meaning he is totally free from all the desires, all the cravings. When desire shows, as I said, desire springs from a sense, from a sense of a lack or a want within oneself. And therefore, wise man is one who is totally free from all the lack or all the want. That's important. And only for such a person is there liberation. Not for the one who still has various desires within oneself, for such a person there cannot be moksha or liberation. Meaning, liberation is something that is equivalent to a freedom from all lack or all the want within oneself. A desire is an expression of a lack or expression of a want. And as long as I feel a sense of lack, so long the desires will be there. And therefore, desire, there is nothing wrong, I mean there is no complaint about desire. Or it is not that the desire itself is condemned or anything like that. But in as much as desire is a symptom of ignorance, as long as one finds one the various desires springing from oneself, so long one knows that one is ignorance because the desire that arises from a sense of want from within oneself. If there could be a desire that arises not from a sense of want but from fullness, there could be possibly a desire also which arises from fullness. Like the creation of an artist also which is out of joy or happiness. So it is not that every action is necessarily performed for the sake of happiness. Actions can be performed out of happiness also. When a person is very happy, feeling completely full, then also one can act. That action is not something which is out of lack or which is meant for fulfilling some desire. It is out of joy. And therefore we may have to say that the wise man's actions are like this. Out of fullness or out of joy and not for achievement of joy or fullness. So as long as one has the desires, meaning one has a sense of lack or want, so long there cannot be moksha or liberation. So this is a point that is being made in the next verse, the seventieth verse, which says, Apuryamanamachalapratishtam samudramapaf pravishandriyadvat tadvat kamayam pravishandisarve sashantimapnav tinakamakami Apuryamanamachalapratishtam samudram a very beautiful illustration is given. Earlier, the illustration of Kaka and Luka, crow and owl, was given to illustrate the difference between the visions of an ignorant person and a wise person. Here again, the wise person is compared to an ocean. <coughs> that ocean which is completely filled from all sides by water. Achalap Pratishtam Achalapadishtam means the ocean that enjoys an immovable tranquility. Pratishtha here is tranquility. The ocean that enjoys a, a complete abundance in itself. Ocean that enjoys a total fullness about itself. And so its pratishtha, its abundance or its tranquility is achala, immovable. Thus ocean abides in its own immovable tranquility. Such an ocean. Samudram apaha yadvat pravishanti. 
two oceans such as this, apaha pravishanti. Apaha means the, the streams of water, the rivers. The rivers enter the ocean from all the sides. Who is the ocean? Ocean is the one that enjoys that immovable tranquility or that fullness. The one that enjoys an, a fullness that cannot be undisturbed fullness. The ocean that enjoys an undisturbed fullness or tranquility. How the various rivers bring waters to this ocean. And how, however, the ocean is not subject to any decrease or increase. Just because the rivers bring the water doesn't mean that the ocean starts overflowing. Or if the waters do not bring the water, it's not that the surface of the ocean goes down. Ocean remains or abides in its own fullness. The idea is that ocean is not dependent upon its fullness for dependent upon the rivers for its fullness. For the very simple reason that where does even the water of the rivers come from? The rivers also gain their water only from the ocean. And therefore, in fact rivers are nothing, rivers themselves are supplied water by the ocean. Ocean itself is full by nature, does not depend upon anything else other than itself for its fullness. If the rivers bring the water, well and good. Rivers do not bring the water, then also well and good. <coughs> this is how the ocean is. And that and wise man is compared to an ocean like this. Ocean is full and complete on account of itself. And therefore its fullness is immov- immovable or undisturbed. Tadvat in the same manner also. So that sarva samudram apaha pravishandi. Swatmastam avikriyamevasantam An ocean that abides in itself, which is free from any modifications, free from any growth or decay. Tadvat kamaha yam pravishanti Similarly also, in the heart of the wise man, this kamaha, the various desires enter. All various pleasures enter. So perhaps the prarabdha, prarabdha is the destiny. Destiny brings to the wise man also various pleasures or various objects of desire from all directions. And that also would happen. That when the wisdom comes, when one does not want anything, it is said that as long as you want things, the things run away from you. When you don't want them, they automatically come to you. That seems to be the way of things. And so this wise man who doesn't want anything, it seems that the things come to him from all directions. However, what happens to him? Does he swell up because the things come to him swell with joy? Or the things don't come to him, does he get depressed? No. Just as the ocean enjoys or abides in the fullness which is effortless or natural or independent, so also a wise man abides in the fullness which is inherent or natural to him. His fullness or happiness does not depend upon any external objects or pleasures. Pleasures may come and they just get, just as all the rivers come, and all of them get just, they, they get included in the ocean. They lose their distinctions, get included in the ocean. And so also, the various pleasures, all the objects may come, they just get included. Because the happiness that a wise man enjoys is without any limitation at all. Earlier also, there was a beautiful verse, wherein the happiness coming from the different objects, was compared to small potholes, small little wells, and the happiness of the self was compared to the flooded river. 
So in, in India, in, in summer the river beds get dry. At that time people dig little wells in there and they, they draw water. And they use that water for drinking, for bathing and so on and so forth. But in monsoon, when the river gets completely flooded, all those hundreds of wells that were dug in the, in the, in the river bed, how all those wells are more than included in the flood. And so also the wise man's heart is completely flooded with the joy of the knowledge. And therefore, whatever little pleasures that little objects may have to give, all of them are more than included in the joy that the wise man experiences. <coughs> so also it is said, Tadvat Kamaha Icha Visheshaha Variety of desires. Yam Samudrami Vapaha Avikurvandha Pravishanti They all enter the wise man Avikurvandha without creating any vikara, without perturbing him, disturbing him, without creating any reaction from him. Sarve Atmani All those desires or little pleasures, all of them merge into the self, just as the rivers merge into the ocean without creating any disturbance in the ocean. Nasvatmasam Kurvanti. Those pleasures, all those various objects, do not create an impact upon the wise man. They are not able to create, I mean, they are not able to overwhelm him. Just as the ocean is not overwhelmed by the rivers in any way, and so also the various situations and the pleasures do not overwhelm the wise man because he abides in his own natural fullness. <coughs> as compared to that, imagine a little puddle of water. It is completely overwhelmed by water. One shower and the puddle of water is completely filled. And next day the sun starts shining, that, that puddle is again dried up. Again a shower comes, it gets filled. So how a puddle of water gets completely overwhelmed by water? It just shows that it is flooded when a little water comes in and finds itself empty when the water dries up. Like that way also an ignorant person, when he is confronted with some situation which bring him pleasure, he, you can see the joy swelling up, he is expressing his reaction of elation. And on the other hand, when an unpleasant situation comes to him, you can find the, the reaction in the form of sadness or depression. So you find an ignorant, like a puddle of water, now gets flooded, then gets dried up. So also an ignorant person, now elated with joy and then depressed. Which you know, with sadness. Not so with a wise man. He's full and complete, not on account of something. An ignorant person is happy because something favorable has happened to him. There's always a reason. You ask a person, why are you happy? You, you look very happy this morning. What has happened? Oh, Swamiji, I got a raise last night. What has happened to you? I got it. My son got admission. What happened? Some reason or the other, we're always there. I won a lottery. Whatever. I received a letter, or we bought a new home, I got a new car. Some such reason is always invariably there for making a person happy. And you will find that same person sad also. What happened? Well, my car met an accident. What happened? You know, I lost my job or something or the other. How a person gets completely overwhelmed by the situation? The moods of the mind of an ordinary person, how they are decided by the situations. And therefore, he goes up and down and he dances to the tune of the situations. This is an ignorant person, Kama Kami, because in, in, internally he experiences a lack or a want. 
And when the external situation is conducive, momentarily he experiences the freedom from that lack and so he is elated with joy. Again, when the external situation is not favorable, that inner want of the lack takes hold of him. Again, we find him sad or depressed. He is called Kama Kami. Kamyan Devi Kamaha Vishayaha. Tam Kamaitum Shilam Yasisa Kama Kami. The person who naturally desires various things, and naturally because there is an internal lack or want within oneself, that wise person who is comparable to an ocean, he always shanti maapnodi, he attains a shanti. Shanti is moksha maapnodi, he attains a peace or a tranquility. But then, not this desirer of the desires, or desire of the various objects, he can never enjoy that peace or tranquility. How can the mind be peaceful? When the mind is elated, then also it is not peaceful. And the mind is depressed, then also it is not peaceful. It goes like seesaw. And therefore, the, the mind of an ignorant person can rarely be peaceful. The wise man enjoys that peace. <coughs> also, sarvalaukika alaukika karma vikshayva nivruttim because his mind is not disturbed by different desires. Mind is not disturbed because of when, when I have to plan things, when I have to execute things, of course my mind is planning and then it, it gets distracted. See, this person is nothing to accomplish because whatever has to be accomplished is accomplished and therefore mind remains completely unperturbed. It is not bothered by that, it is not disturbed by the desire, not disturbed by this prospect of success and failure or this world or the other world, nothing at all is of any concern to him because he abides in the fullness which is his own nature. So here, it is wise man such as this who is compared to an ocean, who is full by nature, whose fullness is natural, independent of any situations. He alone can attain that moksha or the liberation, na kama kami, not the ignorant person who is always desiring various desires. And that being the case, yasmadevam tasma, vihaya kama nyasarvan, pumams charatanispruhaha, nirmamo nirhankaraha, sashantimadi gachadi. So, what is said about the wise man who was compared to an ocean? The same person is described in the verse 71. Yaha vihaya kaman, giving up all the kama, meaning giving up all the desires. Pumams charati. Very beautiful. Yaha puman, this person, or this man, kaman vihaya, having given up all the desires. Charati nispruhaha. Nispruhaha. One who doesn't have any spruha at all. One who doesn't have any concern whether his life even continues or not. Sharira jīvana mātrebi nirgata spruha yastisaha nispruha. He has become so totally free from any desire or any concern that he is not even concerned whether his body will continue or not. Meaning whether he is sufficient for the sustenance of the body or not, even that also does not concern him. And charati, pariyatati, he wanders. So here in this verse, the wise man is described as one who is wandering, who is going about. 
wandering is a person who doesn't have any aim at all. When you are journey, there is a journey, then there is definitely a goal. But when a person is wandering, there is a book called The Wandering in the Himalayas by, by a great sage. He wanders, meaning he doesn't have to reach any place. This is a goal to be reached. And therefore that wandering itself is, everything is, wherever you are, you are at the destination. And therefore you are happy. So this person is wandering, meaning he's at home everywhere. When I am seeking to reach a destination, then I will be home, at home when I reach the destination. Until then I am not. But how is this, how is this person? Atati, Pariyatati or Charati. He just goes about, wanders about, meaning he is at home everywhere. That also shows that he is not attached to any particular place or whatever. He doesn't call any given place as his place. Or nor does he want to reach a particular place. The person who finds himself at home everywhere. And therefore, he is unattached to anything. Unattached not in the sense of being indifferent. Unattached in the sense of being not dependent upon something. Being at home anywhere. If he does something, the reason why he does something is because He does do something. Like begging food, like bhiksha. And a few things we find him doing for the sustenance of the body. That it does. Because, of, you know, even after the enlightenment, the body continues. Because body has its own journey to perform. This body is a product of a certain destiny. And until the de- destiny gets exhausted, the body will continue to survive. And wise man does not interfere with that process of destiny. And therefore, he does perhaps what is necessary to sustain the body. Without an anxiety whether the body will sustain or not. But then, so he's not anxiety, he's not anxious, nispruhaha, without the anxiety for even the sustenance of the body. Even though he does go out perhaps and bag food, viksha, without the anxiety whether the body even will continue or not. So nispruhaha, free from all the anxieties, Nirmamaha. First of all, free from all the desires, free from all the anxieties or concerns. Charati, he wanders, meaning not attached to any particular place or situation. Nirmamaha. Nirmamaha means mamatvavarjitaha. One who is free from sense of possession. Nirmamaha. Nothing belongs to him. One who doesn't have any claim at all, or one who doesn't have any sense of possession for anything. Even though he may possess a few things for the sustenance of the body, he may possess a few clothes and what we call the sandals and maybe a water pot and maybe an umbrella. This is what the sadhus usually have in India with them. A pair of clothes and maybe a towel and maybe a pair of sandals, a water pot or maybe a, a, a little vessel for bagging food or eating food and maybe an umbrella, things like that. So he does possess a few things for the sustenance of the body but even as far, even towards those things he doesn't have a sense of ownership that this is mine. Very often what happens is we give up ownership of a lot of things and we possess a few things. One saint in India used to say this man is given of 500 things, he is renounced. He keeps only five things with him. But the attachment of all those five hundred things now is concentrated in five things. And therefore, because this five thing is so fastly attached. 
not this person. He doesn't, is not attached or doesn't have a sense of possession even towards those few things which are required for the sustenance of the body. So he's not bothered about them to protect or what will happen to them, you know. Meaning one who has totally surrendered oneself to the altar of destiny. And therefore, he totally depends upon the destiny to bring the things as they come. <coughs> Nirahankara hai, so mamatva varjita hai, free from the sense of possession. Mamaiti abhinivesha varjita hai, free from this kind of an attachment or this kind of a notion that this thing is mine. Nirahankara hai, and free from pride. Free from a self-esteem even, free from pride. Vidyavatvadinivittatmasambhavanarahita That I am a great person, I am a wise man, I am a great scholar, I am such and such. Even this kind of pride he doesn't have. Of course nirahankara. He doesn't have the ahankara in the primary sense. Ahankara is a sense of individuality. Meaning calling this body as I. So when there is a sense of I-ness in this body, that is called ahankara. That is the sense of individuality or the ego, which he doesn't have. And that also, he doesn't have ahankara, the pride that a common person has. Because the pride is what gives me security. We are seeking security from a sense of accomplishment that we have. He doesn't need security from anything. That I am, I am so great, and I am so respected, and I am so learned, and I am so and so. And, and that's how a person feels good about oneself. So an ordinary person has a need to feel good about himself or herself because otherwise there is a tremendous sense of self-rejection. This person doesn't require anything other than the self to feel good about himself. At the level of body, mind or intellect, any accomplishment doesn't make him more secure than what he is. His security is derived from his very self. And therefore, nirahankara, free from pride or unnecessary self-esteem. Sashantim adhikachyadi he attains shanti or peace. A cessation of all suffering. All the pain and the suffering, of the, what, that is what is called samsara. So this wise man is totally free from all the pain and suffering of samsara. There is a total cessation of all the suffering, all the conflicts, in all the hurt, all guilt, all conflicts, all of them is totally free from. An ignorant person cannot be. There is a constant guilt in me. How come I did not do something that I should have done? How come I failed to do something good? Or how come I did something which I should not have done? So there is guilt because of commission and omission. Omission of something which I should have done creates a guilt in me. Commission of something that I should not have done creates a guilt in me. So for an ignorant person who has a sense of individuality or sense of doership, the guilt is going to be there. That cannot, that is what disturbs the peace of my mind. And also, when I consider myself as an enjoyer, an experiencer, the sense of hurt is going to be. Because I am an individual and when my pride is hurt, when my honor, you know, is not respected, then I feel hurt. So ignorant person constantly suffers from the sense of hurt and guilt. Constantly suffers from the, uh, the various complexes, from the various conflicts, from the various desires, 
and from the ideas of success and failure and whatever it is, a wise man is completely free from that. No hurt, no guilt, no sense of success, no failure. And that is how he enjoys what we call a complete tranquility of the mind. Tranquility doesn't mean freedom from thoughts. The mind is thinking mind, perceiving mind. In fact, a very, uh, a very clean and a beautiful mind, but a mind that is free from conflicts which uh, create what we call the, uh, which disturb the mind. So conflicts, hurts, guilts, likes, dislikes, reactions, he's completely free from them. So Shantimadigachadi, what creates these things? It is pride that creates disturbance in my mind. It sends a possessiveness that creates disturbance. When I possess a given thing, it becomes my concern to protect it. When I possess a home or house, naturally I must protect it, I must take care of it. Its safety and security of concern to me. So, mamatva, meaning the possessiveness, will definitely bring worries and anxieties within my mind. More I possess, more anxieties there are going to be. Less I possess, less anxieties there will be. If I don't possess anything, no anxiety. So, what is to be given up is really sense of possessiveness. Even if you have a few things with you which are required for your daily use, it is not that, but what is important is, as long as there is a sense of ownership in them, that definitely is going to create a disturbance. He doesn't own anything. You can say he owns everything. When you do not own anything, then you own everything also. Because these two extremes are one alone. When you are not attached to any one particular thing, then you are attached to everything. When you don't have one particular family, the whole world is your family. When you don't have a particular home, every place is your home. And this is how, therefore there is no need to have any uh, pride about oneself, any sense of possessive, possession or ownership. There, is, uh, there are no desires, there are no concerns and anxieties, and therefore this person enjoys a mind that is completely tranquil. And this alone is called samsara. Samsara means suffering, ahankara and mamakara. The ego and the sense of ownership, this is what we call samsara. He is free from that. So, Shandim Adhigachyadi. <coughs> and he abides in that knowledge, that wisdom. And that is praised or extolled in the last verse of the second chapter. Esha Brahmisthirif Partha. Hey Partha. Nainam Prapyavimukhyadi. Sthitvasyamantakalebi. Brahma Nirvana Vrachyadi. Lord Krishna says, Hey Partha. Hey Arjuna. Esha Brahmi Stitihi. What was described in the earlier verses? Like the wise man who is like, like wise man who is like an ocean. The wise man who is seeing, who abides in the, the vision of reality. The wise man who is free from all sense of ego and possessiveness, from attachment and from concerns. That is Brahmi Stitihi. That is Stitihi or the state of Brahma. Brahmani Bhava Yam Stitihi. So this is the state of Brahman, the state of abidance in Brahman. So when one abides in the knowledge that I am Brahman, then this is how one is, like full, like an ocean, totally free from ahankara, mamakara, enjoying a total peace. So this is called Brahmisthiti. This is a state which is characterized by an abidance in the knowledge of Brahman. This is the state of abiding wisdom. Nainam prapya vimukhyadi. Enam prapya na vimukhyadi. Once I acquire the state, na vimukhyadi. 
one never gets deluded again because ignorance never stages come back once ignorance is gone once light has come darkness cannot come back ignorance itself is beginningless doesn't have a beginning we cannot say when this whole creation began or when i was ignorant ignorance does not have a beginning since it does not have a beginning once it goes it cannot begin so ignorance being beginningless once it goes away it cannot stay a comeback and so he said nainam prapya vimukhyati once having gained this wisdom this abiding wisdom the wise man na vimukhyati is no more deluded sthitvasyam <coughs> antakalepi and antakalepi asyam sthitva having gained an abidance in this antakala at the last at the, at the end meaning in the final stage of one's life even if one gains this knowledge abiding knowledge in the final stages of one's life brahma nirvanam rachyati one attains brahma nirvanam nirvanam means moksha one attains what we call the liberation of so once while alive and after death also meaning there is no further the process of birth and death one becomes free from the cycle of birth and death if one gains this knowledge even in the last phase of one's life not the last moment but even in the old age if one gains this knowledge then also one attains total freedom in this life and after the fall of this body so jivan mukti and what is called videha mukti being free even while alive videha mukti and therefore free even after the death of this body navimukhyadi there is no further return to the cycle of birth and death so shankaracharya says that even in the last phase of one's life if one gains the knowledge then also one attains moksha then what to talk of a person who gains his knowledge while young there is no question at all and therefore one must strive to gain this knowledge and gain an abidance in this knowledge so that one becomes free mukta and then there is no further mo- no further moha or delusion <coughs> so there is a word antakala here antakala generally antakala means death but here shankaracharya interprets antakala means in the last stage of life meaning the fourth stage there is the uh, stage of childhood then youth and middle age and old age so even in what is called old age one gains this knowledge then also one becomes free one gains moksha or sometimes antakala means death also is interpreted as the death of the ego so real death that one is seeking is or the freedom from the birth and death that one is seeking is the freedom from this ego as long as ego the sense of individuality continues so long the process of birth and death continues so antakale sthitva when when uh, when the ego dies in the wake of the knowledge brahma nirvanam rachyati right then one becomes free so the bondage is is bondage from the in the ego and when the ego goes in the wake of the knowledge at right then one becomes free <coughs> and having become free navimukhyadi one doesn't get deluded any further because ignorance doesn't stage come back in this manner in these 72 verses in second chapter lord krishna first discussed what we call atma anatma viveka discrimination between the self and the non self and revealed how the self or the atma is nitya 
is eternal, free from birth and death, free from change, free from modification, and therefore not subject to any attacks, free from even the notions of kartratva and bhaktratva, doership and enjoyership. And therefore Arjuna was told that when you come to know the self which is free from the doership or the enjoyership, then you are not doing anything. You are neither killing anybody nor anybody gets killed. The self never kills because there is no doership, nor does it get killed because there is no enjoyership. And thus the true nature of the self was first revealed to release Arjuna from this grief from which he was suffering. And then Lord Krishna discussed what we call Karma Yoga, which is a means for gaining the knowledge. Because for the knowledge one does require what we call Antahkana Shuddhi or purification of the mind. Now how can we purify the mind through what we call Karma Yoga? When karma or the action is performed in the spirit of yoga, in the spirit of worship to the Lord, then that becomes the, the, the right proper means for purification of the mind and in, when the mind gets purified, then one can gain the knowledge and one can gain an abidance in the knowledge. And so in the final section, in the section, Lord discussed the characteristic of Siddha the natural traits of a man of abiding wisdom. So they become what we call the values for a seeker. So what is natural for a wise man become the values for the seeker. And with that discussion of Jnana or abidance in the knowledge, the second chapter is concluded by Lord Krishna. It is called Sankhya Yoga. The word Sankhya was explained. Sankhya means self or Atma. And yoga is the title of the chapter. So title of this chapter is Sankhya or the Atma. Sankhya, Samyakhyayake, Anayati Sankhya. So that which is very well expounded by, by Upanishad is Sankhya and Upanishad is Sankhya and that which is expounded by the Upanishad is called Sankhya or the Atma Tattvam. So the primary subject matter of the second chapter is Atma or the Self and secondarily also it discusses Karma or the action. So two kind of Nishthas or two commitments with which the introduction of Bhagavad Gita was given. One is called Upaya, other is called Upaya. One is a means, other is the end. So Karma Yoga is Pravritti Lakshana or the, the commitment to activity and then which culminates into what we call Jnana or the knowledge. So this chapter presented this concept that action prepares the ground for the knowledge and knowledge is the means for moksha or liberation. So karma becomes upaya or the means, jnana becomes upaya or the end. Thus there are two nishthas, a two-fold commitment, and both these commitments also have been discussed in this chapter. In that sense, the second chapter is a complete chapter. It gives us in a nutshell, essentially, the whole subject of Bhagavad Gita, except, of course, what we call tatpada or the Ishvara. Second chapter does not deal with the Ishvara Tattva or the Lord, but it primarily deals with the self and the knowledge of the self and the means for gaining that knowledge. It is Srimad Bhagavad Gita Su Upanishad Su Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Shastra Sri Krishna Arjuna Samvade Sankhya Yoga Namat Vitiyo This dialogue, in dialogue between Lord Krishna and Arjuna. This is the second chapter which is entitled Sankhya Yoga. Om Purnamadav 
ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದಂ ಪೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದಚ್ಯದೆ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾದಾಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯದೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವ ಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೌ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇಧಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ